The Next CMO Podcast explores topics that are on the minds of forward-thinking marketing executives, from leadership and strategy to emerging technologies. And we bring these topics to life by interviewing leading experts in their fields. The Next CMO is sponsored by Plana, makers of the world's first AI-based marketing leadership platform, and hosted by me, Peter Mahoney, the founder and CEO of Plana, along with my co-host, Kelsey Kraft. In this episode of the Next CMO podcast, we speak to Aaron Hutchinson, the global CMO of Merkle, a leading provider of customer experience technologies and solutions. Aaron helps us understand how global brands are approaching their customer experience transformation projects and how these projects have been accelerated because of changing consumer expectations during the pandemic. And Merkel is also going through their own kind of transformation as they move to Merkel 5.0, the fifth iteration of the company's brand transformation. We also learn how Aaron, who trained to be a teacher, went from an SQL developer to the global CMO of a leading technology company during her successful 20-year career. I hope you enjoy the show. Well, thank you so much for joining the Next CMO podcast today, Erin. I'm super excited to have you on the show and learn a little bit more about you and what you do at Merkle. So can you tell our audience um, a little bit about you? Yeah, well, hi, Kelsey. Hi, Peter. Thank you so much for having me here today. I am really excited. Yes, I can tell you a little bit about myself. I grew up in Canada. I moved to the U.S. I I work in Pittsburgh now, and I am the global CMO of Merkel. I've been with Merkel since 2001 and have been the CMO for the last two years. So I'm excited to be here and excited to talk with you all. That's great. And 20 years, that is serious staying power, Aaron. That's very impressive. Uh, I assume you've done a lot during the time that you've been at Merkel. So just set the table for our audience. Tell us a little bit about Merkel, what what Merkel does, and uh, so we can understand a little bit more context. Sure. Yeah. So Merkle, actually Merkle Computer Systems, it was founded in 1971. Our CEO, who was our CEO until last year, his name was David Williams. He bought the company in 1988. He was 25 years old. He was their 24th employee. It was about $3 million in revenue in 1988. And he grew it to what we are today. And we're a $1 billion company in 2020. So we are tech-enabled, data-driven customer experience management company. So what that means is basically we use data, technology, and analytics to help our clients make their advertising more addressable, make experiences more personal, and manage consumer relationships over time. We were acquired by Dentsu in 2016, and we Dentsu set up in three service lines, so creative, media, and CXM, so customer experience management, and Merkle is the CXM arm of Dentsu. Awesome. And and it sounds like one of the things we're really excited about talking with you about today, Erin, is the fact that you've been through recently a pretty significant uh, brand transition for Merkel. So I, we'd love to hear a little bit about sort of what drove that, uh, what inning you're in. Tell us a little bit about the brand transition you're going through. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds great. Thank you. We have gone through a brand transition. You know, I think Merkel's brand has evolved over time. You know, originally we were building and managing marketing databases and then wrapping analytics and strategy with those. And we were a database marketing agency. And then we shifted into the digital space. So built out our experience capability sets and digital media capability sets. And now we're embarking on kind of what we internally call Merkel 5.0, which is bringing those things together. And it's about customer experience management. So the way we look at that and our vision, and as we look at, you know, as we look into the future, we see kind of that data transformation piece. So just how companies collect data, how they manage that data, create insights out of it and activate it. You know, that's a big strength of ours. And then when you pair that with digital transformation, that I ability to create experiences at all of the different customer touch points across, you know, sales, service, marketing, and commerce. If you bring those together, you've got, you know, a customer-centered strategy. So we work with our clients um, to help them build those strategies to meet consumers kind of where they are, meet the consumer demand, context, and motivation with experiences that are personalized, innovative to, to help them create, to help our clients create competitive advantage in their space. So what did you think you had to change? What was the what was the thing that drove the change? Was it this shift in strategy? Was it the shift in the market? A little bit of a combination. There's often some kind of a catalyst for a major brand trans, transformation. What was that for you at Merkel? Yeah, well, I think that's a great question. And I think it's, you know, when we look at it almost as a pivot, um, but we look at it as something that's kind of, it's years in the making to get there and then years in the making to bring it to fruition. So I think, you know, it's as we've seen, you know, data transformation on its own and, and having data and using data um, is really important, but without the digital piece to put it together, um, it's, it sits there and it is what it is. It's data, but if, but there's so much you can do with it. It's so powerful. So we see, you know, with our customers and, you know, we work with marketing, the marketing organizations really within fortune 1000 companies. So when they're looking to meet their customers, get in front of their customers, it's not just about through advertising anymore. It is really across the entire, every touch point a consumer has. So you need to bring those things together to say, okay, if somebody calls into a call center or somebody goes onto a website or somebody's getting served up an ad on their phone, or there's some AI, an AI video that's created to help a customer understand a product. All of those things have to be seamless and work together. And really, you know, we use the term and I think it's a pretty prevalent term, but we really believe we are in the customer experience. I'm (laughs) sorry. We are in the customer expectation economy. And really, we need to help our clients be there. And what customers are expecting now is different than what they were expecting. Certainly a couple of years ago, if you look before the pandemic, but that trend has been growing over time. And I think the pandemic has really just accelerated it. Absolutely. There's been just this huge shift that I think it's a trend. It's a trend line that's been going on for a long time. And then all of a sudden there's a step function in the trend line that happened. Uh, I, I, I want to come back to that in a second, but I, I wanted to poke into this 5.0 thing that you mentioned. Does that mean this is the fifth generation of the Mer- of Merkel's brand? Is that how you think about it? 
Yeah, really, if we look at it since 1988, when David Williams bought it, you know, that's kind of what when we say 5.0, it was kind of this, it was a data processing company. And then what then we wrapped to like kind of, oh, we're going to bring analytics and technology in here. And it became a database marketing agency. And so, and a performance marketing agency. And so this customer experience management company is really, like I say, it's an evolution of those things. So it's not like it's a drastic pivot. I would say it's more of an evolution. But yeah, over time, we would say that this is kind of our fifth pivot. The reason I ask is that in my previous uh, experience, I, we mentioned before when I chatted, I, I spent about 13 years at a uh, software company that ended up at about $2 billion in, in revenue and, and we went through, in my 13 years, we went through four eras, basically, in brand. And, and that was fairly accelerated during that time. And, and the trick is, of course, that your, your values and your overall brand promise is the thing that tends to be enduring. But the way that the, the market changes or the market shifts or the, the strategy change that you have along the way tends to make these evolutions happen. And, and I think a lot of people don't especially appreciate when someone's been there for a long time that you, you've seen these significant changes and evolutions happen o- over time. And as you said, we were in the middle of this really rapid change that's go on that's going on right now. So back to that, tell me tell me a little bit about sort of what you've seen in in uh, the market what you've seen your customers have to respond to now that the expectations of consumers are around the the the, the consistency of digital experience and just access into enterprises via digital means has has accelerated so much. Tell me what that means for your customers in general. Yeah. So, you know, when we talk about this customer expectation economy, and and like we said, with the pandemic, that has just been accelerated. So if we look at all of us as consumers or as marketers, you know, what, what we've had to transform or how we've been forced to transform how we do things, you know, since COVID. A little story, I was talking with our CEO, his name's Craig Dempster. This was early on in the pandemic and we were talking about our experiences with our parents and Craig's mom lives in New York City and my parents are up in Canada. And all of them, while they have smartphones and iPads, use them in a pretty minimal way. And then we, you know, fast forward a few weeks into the pandemic and Craig's mom was ordering her groceries online. You know, my parents had set up weekly Zoom calls for our family uh, to be able to get together. They were all on social media engaging with their friends. They were ordering online from big box stores and we're getting frustrated when things took longer than two days to get there. And all of a sudden we said, whoa, this is an acceleration in the way consumers are engaging with brands. So we're at this great inflection point. And I think as marketers, it is probably the greatest inflection point we've seen in decades. And so when we look at that consumer experience um, across, you know, as I mentioned, sales, service, marketing, commerce, for us as a business, we're seeing those companies that had really focused on customer experience and the transformation required for that prior to the pandemic. And if they weren't disrupted because they were in a disrupted age industry, maybe travel, but those that invested heavily really succeeded and really scaled during the time of the pandemic. And what we're seeing is that those that underinvested in 
other, I'm sorry, that have under invested either have gone away, unfortunately, are or are now investing and focusing on the opportunity of transformation. So as a business, I think right now we're at a point in time, it's just transforming this opportunity to create competitive advantage and in a different way or in a very accelerated way. I think one thing that a lot of uh, B2C brands have done really well, you know, prior to the pandemic is that customer experience. And they've, they've been at the forefront, right? And obviously with the pandemic, it's now really affected the B2B brands and, you know, and gaining that customer experience and making sure they're getting the same out of what a B2C brand would have. So what can we learn as a B2B business from the B2C side of things to really bring in that customer experience and that entire, you know, journey? Yeah, I think it's I think it's a great question. And I think, you know, as B2B marketers, yes, we are marketing to businesses, but those businesses are run and fueled by consumers. So it's understanding what their needs are, anticipating them, and again, meeting them where they are with, you know, it's it's what we've been doing a long time. It's getting a relevant message in front of them, helping them solve something that they're struggling with. And now we're just, we're doing it in different ways. So, you know, I know for B2B, marketing, especially, you know, trade shows or conferences or events, that was a big part of a lot of B2B marketing strategies. And that's gone with, that's been gone. So there was a big shift to virtual and there was a big shift to how do we engage with these um, brands in a different world? And, you know, I think so many of them with the shift to remote work and people setting up home offices, um, these B2B brands, they're managing, it's kind of, they're managing so much and how we can just adjust and support and see the trends as they're coming. I think we're, there's an expectation that we're doing that at the same pace that the B2Cs are. Although you're right, they're, they're, the B2C focus um, is what we as consumers have seen so much through the pandemic. The other lens that would be interesting to explore, Aaron, is is enterprise size and how that's different. Because it's one thing if you're a digital native kind of company, you're young, you don't have any tech debt to deal with, but you're dealing with large enterprises. The thousand biggest companies in the world is is where Merkel tends to focus anyway. So I assume that that would be a daunting thing to think about if you're a CMO or a CEO or a CIO or a CDO or one of those Cs in, in one of these large enterprises. So how should they start? How, how should you think about, I've got this old line, 40-year-old business that's been around forever. It's wildly complicated now. Where do you start to think about this kind of transformation? Yeah. And Peter, how do you mean, I'm sorry, I kind of lost the thread. Sorry of your question. Yeah. Let let me try and uh, let me try and say it again. So if you're, if you're a small company, you, you can transform your business. You can create a, a different kind of experience pretty quickly because your business is simple and you're probably digitally native. But if you've been around for a while, for decades, maybe, and you're a large enterprise, it's really complex and you have to go through this transformation and, and become more customer experience focused. How would a company start to think about that? So you can't just snap your fingers and say, I'm, I'm going to create this great customer experience and it will be so. What's the first step that people need to take? Yeah, I think, okay, that is a great question. Thank you for framing it. Yeah, you know, I think when 
there is a shift when we think of, you know, marketing and and how marketers it traditionally in the past you know, they, they can't be siloed. And so we're seeing a real shift with customers and, and with ourselves as well in terms of bringing together a broader C-suite. So it's not the marketers making the decisions. It's the CIOs are in the discussion. The CTOs are in the discussion. It really is an organizational shift. And so in order for an organization to, to have that figured out and be you know focused on CRM loyalty advertising, but also sales, service, marketing, and commerce. It really requires all of those stakeholders to sit down and map out what does a customer journey look like. How do customers engage with the brand, and then to start you know and start small. We we use these terms like start small and move fast. Um, So because it can be overwhelming and daunting, but I think looking in and saying, what technologies do we have? Are these the right technologies? What data do we have? And how are we marrying those two to get the biggest value out of it? And how do we need to build on those as we move forward and want to grow? That that makes sense. I'm sure there's a level of self-reflection and assessment that you need to to go through before you say, I'm just going to go transform. You, You need to do that that inspection of what that journey is like for your customers. I imagine that's tricky for some people because the, I know having worked at some companies that, that have been around for a little while in some cases, those journeys get really complicated. And so do, do you, do you recommend that, that these clients, do they start really broad or do they start really narrow? Should they start and say, I'm going to fix this one thing for this one customer segment and make sure there's an end-to-end thing here? Or should I lean back and squint and look at the whole thing and then define an overall strategy that I'm going to try to move toward? Yeah, that's a great question. And I feel like I'm not answering it, but I'm going to answer it by saying it is a bit of both because I think there has to be a kind of, like you say, stand back and squint and look at the whole organization and what are the main goals of, you know, what are the end goals? And so you're not operating in this myopic space. But then to your point, I think taking a small piece and and we see this time and time again with organizations taking a small segment, focusing on it, putting things in place and driving results is then easier to then take that in front of the other stakeholders and say, look at look at the results that were driven when we executed this, when we changed things up here. And then it's easier to expand it out in the business. So I would say certainly have a holistic view and, and have that mindset going into it. How is this one piece going to help with the overall plan and, and strategy. But I, I think those small pieces can help make bigger change um, and help make it quicker because you're, you're going to have results um, to share and you're going to have something very specific to be able to look at and use as an example. I think that's an excellent point. I think marketers nowadays are really focusing on, you know, let's not look at the tactical and these, these mini campaigns are running. What's the holistic view? What's the business value that we're adding to an organization? And the sooner that marketers kind of make that transition and realize it, they're going to gain the trust and they're going to gain the respect in the organization. And I guess that brings me to my next point is, 
you know, congratulations, you just became a global CMO for, for Merkel. Obviously, our listeners are aspiring to be CMO someday, if not, you know, trying to keep their job as a CMO. So what advice or I guess, how did you get to the position that you are today? And what were some of the biggest learning lessons for you? Yeah, well, thank you. Yes. Yeah, so I well, I'll give you a quick snapshot, two minute of how I got to this, my role here. I actually studied to be a teacher and I studied databases and I was really interested in databases, wanted to pursue that. So I started with Merkle. I was a SQL developer. That was my first job with Merkle in the database group. I moved into the client client services group within databases. And, you know, and I was new and I wanted to learn and sales and marketing were kind of one in the same. And I just offered to help. Can I help? Can I, what do you need? What, what can I do? And I was doing it on the side. And then after a couple of years, I moved over to marketing and started to build out that as a real function within the business. Um, Again, Merkel was about 350 people, about $100 million, $150 million in revenue. And we built up a marketing focus of really focused on events, PR and communications. We built that out. And then I was really building out the event side of things. And um, then fast forward, you know, our group just kind of continued to grow. And I would take on different areas of the business and, and help to grow those and bring them together. And excuse me, then took on the role of CMO here in the Americas. And as our business grew and our footprint was expanding globally, I moved into the role of global CMO. So it's been a journey. And I certainly, when I started, didn't didn't know exactly where I wanted to be, but I think that would probably be you asked for what my piece of advice would be. I think it's the idea of be curious and be open. So I, I was always open if, if, I saw marketing and I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not on the marketing team. I work in the database group. I'm a developer. Like, what am I, but to walk over and I, maybe some of that came with the naivety of being really young. And I walked over and said, Hey, what can I do to help? I'd love to learn what you guys are doing. And so I just learned and I, I would pop into our CEO's office and say, I'm just really curious. Like, why did we do this? Or what are we doing with this client? And I think just perpetually, being curious and and being open to new experiences has allowed me to be in a spot that probably wasn't where I thought I would be when I started my journey with Merkel. I, I think that's great advice, Erin. And I, I've seen the people who move furthest in their careers and make the biggest impact tend to be people who have done a few things, as as you just highlighted. One is they don't especially take a straight path. Sometimes it's a circuitous path to get to where you want to be. And you may not even had any idea in the beginning that that's, that was your goal, but you were sort of open to exploring and understanding. And, and part of what that does is you sort of pollinate your experience across the business. And all of a sudden, you, you have a deeper understanding as, as someone who is writing SQL you you knew a little bit about marketing and as you started as you started getting more and more into marketing you had a deeper appreciation for what the value proposition of Merkel was because you were actually delivering the value proposition over time and and then sometimes it takes a it, it takes a, a non-direct path to get there and and the idea of curiosity I think is really is really fantastic so now that you're here so you've got now this giant organization. There are 12,000 people at Merkel. They're probably not all in marketing, but maybe there are a few, fair amount of them out there. How, how do you manage a marketing 
function in a company that broad? How do you keep keep people on point, on focus for the most important initiatives of uh, marketing initiatives inside Merkle? Yeah, that is a great question. I think, you know, I think when I think about, you know, why, how, how it works and with most important pieces, I think there's clarity and an alignment, I think are really important. So I think for our teams, we do, you know, Merkle offers a lot of services and solutions that we want to promote. We've got internal comms to focus on for every, you know, we've got teams that are focused on all of the different functions that sit across marketing. And I think as long as the team has a clarity and the business has a clarity. So while Merkle is operating and we're going through this pivot and we're a large organization, there is a real clarity of what, what our jobs are, what we do every day, what Merkle comes to work to do every day. And I think that enables us to be able to build plans. And, you know, I think we saw it through the pandemic, especially, you know, having, as every marketing organization does, you know, having your plans, um, it's really important because then when something happens that completely derails them, you at least know, Hey, what were we trying to achieve? What were our outcomes? And now how can we adjust to try to drive those same outcomes in a really disrupted world? So I think clarity, um, communication, of course. So we've got marketing folks that sit in the Americas and in a lot of different states in the Americas that sit throughout EMEA, that sit throughout APAC. And I think just making sure that we've got, and and I give a huge kudos to our IT teams that make it easy to communicate. I know sometimes we get frustrated with the technology every, you know, the odd time when, oh, can you hear me? Or you're on mute. But in general, having that foundation of the technologies to be able to communicate, to be able to share content and plans and to make sure when things change, we're all changing and we're all aligned. And it, so that is how, yeah, our marketing organization really functions. And I think we have, you know, as part of, I would say marketing, as I'm sure is the case in many organizations, it becomes kind of the driver and the champion for culture as well. So I look to that group, the business, the work we're doing externally, but then it's also, we are the ones who are driving culture. We are the ones who are bringing all these messages from across the business together. And so I think we're at a really, we're kind of right at the center of everything that's happening in the business. So I think that also helps bringing the teams together and working as a cohesive unit because we're kind of sitting at the middle of everything that's happening. And, and has that changed in the last in, in the last year or so during the pandemic? Sort of, obviously you've Everyone's now more distributed than than ever. Have, have you found it difficult to kind of keep people on point, or in, in, in what strategies do you recommend that marketing leaders employ to try to really keep the team aligned on on the most important initiatives? Yeah, I think you know we've always had a relatively remote culture. You know, of course, people were in the offices, but we had folks who worked remotely or people were traveling a lot. So, you know, we were used to being able to operate not in person all the time, but certainly that has accelerated. And I think keeping the teams engaged and focused, that hasn't been, that hasn't been a concern. And actually I, you know, I think if 
if we look at just this feedback from employees and surveys, it's they're probably working more than they ever have. And, and, you know, probably sometimes it's hard to disconnect when your computer's just sitting at your kitchen table all the time and you walk past, you think, oh, I'll send that email. I would say employees have been very engaged in the work. And I think where there's been a change and kind of a, an opportunity for us as leaders is how do we keep employees engaged? How do we help them feel the culture and feel experience that and feel that they're part of a team, part of an organization. So Merkel's culture is something that it's, it's a big part of who we are. It's why I've been there for 20 years. The work is exciting and awesome too, but it's, it's a great place to be. So I think putting a lot of focus there. So some of the things that we've done, you know, as an organization, you know, in terms of communicating, a lot of our communications prior had been, you know, focused on business updates or HR updates, or maybe an IT update. And we really made them a lot more personal. So starting, and and again, the pandemic accelerated that. So I think that was, if I see a silver lining, that would be one coming out. We had weekly video chats with our CEO and myself where he was speaking directly with employees and he was talking to them about everything that we're doing, being very transparent and hey, we're focusing on these things, being a sense of calm through all of this. So I think when employees had a lot of questions, um, so I think that was really great. Teams across the business came together. Employees started this program called Merkle Moves, and it was a global initiative, which again, kind of a silver lining. We can't do a lot of things globally together, but it was for everybody to choose something they wanted to train for or do. And, And we all did it on one day. And We all were posting and we had people across the business just feeling like they're part of a team, even though they were separate and operating independently. So, and I think things like, you know, video happy hours or get togethers, things that have just helped to bring people together. We've been very focused on what are those things that employees are craving. And I think, you know, those opportunities for personal connection, they've really, have really resonated with our employee base. But there's something that we probably, probably should have been doing before the pandemic more, but the pandemic accelerated that. And I think that's been, like I say, a silver lining. Totally makes sense. And, and, and speaking of that, sort of the, the change that's been accelerated by, by the pandemic, one of the things that for most marketers, we've seen significant change. It's just their their approach and their mix in marketing is all of a sudden very different. And obviously, it's more heavily digital in in a lot of cases. That and that's something that I think is is now more permanently changing. So, what do you think CMOs should do to help their organizations deal with that shift? Because sometimes you've got a skill imbalance now. If you had a giant physical event team, as an example. Now, the, all events should have some kind of a hybrid model. I think we've learned that even the physical events can can benefit from a, a deep, deeper digital kind of component. So what, what do you think we should do, be doing for our teams to, to help them uh, adapt to the probably permanent shift we've seen in the way that marketing is delivered? Yeah, what a great question. And and it's so true. I think the needs of the business have changed. And as you say, where we might have had a big events team, what happens with that team and how do they flex? And I think really, you know, the 
the, for us actually, while events, while in-person events went away, um, they're needed. We were flexing new muscles to say, how are we going to do this? We had to partner with different organizations to say, how are we going to host this client summit virtually and allow people to engage? So I would say, you know, kind of recognizing that it, there is, there are these changes, as you say, and, and it, it was an opportunity too, for, I think our team and in marketing to say, Hey, we have a gap here and that gap, you might not, maybe that's not where you saw yourself, but kind of that being open. I think when you've got a, a culture of being open to trying different things or, so we did a lot of that. It was, Hey, we, we need these skill sets and do we have the right people? Do Can we train the right people? And that's what we've really, and I think most organizations probably have done that to say, okay, we're shifting from X to Y. And what do we have? Who do we have on our team already who we can be plugged in and who wants to, and, and that's something they want to learn about? Or what skills do we need to bring in that we didn't have? But it is, I think to your point, it's, it's not probably going backwards. We're always going to have this hybrid world. And Again, it's accelerated where maybe we would have been in two, three, four years. It's accelerated that. So I think acknowledging that and saying, what do we need now? And assuming these trends are going to continue, what are we going to need more of? And what are we probably going to need less of as we look forward? Um, that's how we've been approaching it. Okay. And I would that, that's great. And it's, it's, we've had a, a broad ranging conversation here, Aaron. It's been really amazing. We're, we're coming up to the, the end of our scheduled time, unfortunately. So I, I guess I'll ask the penultimate question before Kelsey goes to finish us off here. That sounded violent, finish us off. But the, so j- just help our listeners understand how they can learn more uh, about Merkel. Yeah, well, that's great. Yes, you can visit us online, MerkelInc.com. So Merkel, M-E-R-K-L-E-I-N-C.com. Yeah, check us out. We've got tons of webinars all the time talking about online events. So depending what area of marketing you're focused on, I'm sure you'd find something there that's interesting to you. And um, I really, really appreciate the time, Peter and Kelsey. Thanks so much for the conversation and, and for having me on today. Great. You know, you're welcoming. We'll put those links in the show notes for those listeners who are uh, connected to a device where you can can actually explore those things. Feel free to do that. And with that, I think, Kelsey, we have our last question. Yes, I know I already asked a little bit of, you know, giving advice to aspiring and current CMOs. And you gave such a great answer of staying open, but you just got to the position you're at. I'm sure you have some more tips and tricks for us. And I personally would love, I know our listeners would too. So any other uh, last minute advice to wrap up this podcast for current and aspiring CMOs? Yeah, I would just say, you know, I think the idea of just always knowing we don't know it all. So I think there's like a, actually, I I don't know if you guys have ever watched the show Ted Lasso, but he's actually got a great list of kind of, of tips and things to remember. And, and one of them is be humble. And I think I, throughout my career and where I am now, I, I am very humble in the sense of I don't know everything, but I am really lucky in the sense that I'm surrounded by really smart people. We work with really smart people. And so I think just always being, again, curious, but also have that humbleness to say, hey, I don't know about this, but I really want to learn about it. And I know I have a lot to learn and I'm excited for the journey. 
I love that. Be humble and be open. Uh, that's how you get to a CMO role, as Aaron would say. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Aaron. This was such an excellent conversation. I really enjoyed it. I know Peter did too. Make sure to follow the next CMO and Plana on Twitter and LinkedIn. And if you have any ideas for topics or guests, you can email us at the next CMO at Plana.com. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you.